Today I invite you to take your Bible and read along with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 7 through 10. Those of you who are watching by Facebook, I invite you to find a, a little small cup of juice or water or whatever you can find at home and uh, a little bite of bread. And at the end of the message today, we're going to observe communion and we invite you to participate with us as a body of Christ, observing and remembering the sacrifice of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and what that means to us. One thing I've learned in this message is um, I don't know a whole lot, but I'm learning. And I've learned that God did say no to Jesus, and He has the right to say no to us. And for all good reasons, He does these things. And we're going to explore today this message about when God says no. I've been asked to preach this message, and I pray that it will bring uh, comfort and guidance to your heart, all of you who listen. And uh, I'm going to admit up front, um, I'm relying a great deal on Reverend Warren to help me with this sermon t t today. So let's get into the text. It is a situation in Paul's life where he experiences the no of God, the message of no from God. He had a thorn in the flesh. We're not sure what it was. I kind of theorize that uh, it was his eyesight. I'm not sure. Because there are many times when Paul would write a letter himself instead of having a secretary to write for him. He would say, this is my handwriting. Look at the large letters. So that gave me, gave me some clue that it might have been his eyesight. Uh, it might have been a reference to the constant harassment that he uh, dealt with as he was on missionary journeys, three missionary journeys, that he was never relieved of. You know, you think, if I could just get away from the enemies of God, I'd be all right. And uh, God never gave, them, uh, gave Paul a break from those people. And because of their harassment, we have our New Testament. Uh, so God says no for a lot of reasons. And I know that you've dealt with it in your life. I deal, deal with it in my life as well, Linda and I. And, um, but we give thanks to God when he does say no, and we're going to learn how to deal with it. Uh, it's one thing to have a theology, but it's another thing to listen to the therefores in the Bible. It's therefore a reason. When you see the word therefore in your Bible, it's therefore a reason. So we're going to, we're going to try to come to some theological understanding of why God says no, and then we're going to try to apply that to how do we respond, what do we do, when God is saying no to us. So verse 7 begins Paul's explanation about this thorn in the flesh. He writes, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord, implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, no. What he did say was, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Now, if I could translate a little better, uh, that scripture is, the Lord is saying, my power, the power of God, is perfected in our weaknesses. Most gladly, therefore, 
I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. God speaks to us in Jeremiah and says, Call to me and I will answer you. God always answers our prayers. Uh, there was a time when a Southern Baptist evangelist raised a lot of controversy. God doesn't hear the prayers of uh, a non-believer. Yes, He does. And God answers as He desires. God answers every prayer. may not be the way we desire. may not be the way we want. Sometimes He says yes. Sometimes He says no. Sometimes He says wait. He's told me this one several times. Grow up. Or in my way, maybe God's, an God's answer. Or in a little while. God said no to all kinds of folks in the Bible, and He says no to you and I today. He said no to Abraham. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. He said no to Moses. He said no to Daniel, to Peter, to Paul. And He even said no to Jesus there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Sometimes, and this is the first point of our two-point message that's going to last. Well, we don't have two hours today because we have communion here shortly. And I want to save enough time for that. Sometimes God says no because, number one, He has a bigger perspective than we do. God sees more than we see. The Bible says in uh, Hebrews 4.13, Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God. God sees all things. God knows the future that we do not know. God sees in a perspective that we do not have because we are not God. And many times we act like God because we think God is like a vending machine. You put in your prayer request, you pull on the lever, and you get what you want. God's not like Santa Claus either. Uh, God doesn't give good things to people who behaved and trouble to all those who have not behaved. It rains on the just and the unjust. And Lord, please bring more rain today. Our, our crops need it. Don't they? Amen? Amen. Amen. Proverbs 2 at verse 8 says, He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to Him. So sometimes God will say no because He is taking care of us. He has a greater perspective than we have. We can only see what we want and desire. God sees the future and has a greater perspective. And Abraham is an example of that. Um, God was wanting to bless Abraham and wanted to give him children, and he had a child uh, instead of the way that God wanted. And, um, and, uh, God, and Abraham called out to the Lord, Please pass this inheritance and blessing on to Ishmael. And God told Abraham, No. Instead, God said, I have a different perspective. You're going to have a child. He said, I can't have a child. I'm too old to bear children. My wife's too old to, to, to bear children. Let your inheritance be to Ishmael. God said, no. I'm going to do something bigger. I'm going to do something better. And that leads us to the second reason that God says no sometimes is that he has a better plan. He has a better plan. In Isaiah 55, the Bible says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher 
than your thoughts. God has a better plan. We see this in the Bible in the book of Acts. It's a very interesting story that has impact on you and me right now. If you could imagine a map of Israel in, in your mind, and if you could imagine the uh, Gala, uh, Galatian region, and if you could imagine Paul on his missionary journey going north and east and a little further east into Asia, and Apostle Paul was having great success in his missionary journeys. In one of those missionary journeys, Paul wanted to go further east and north. And the Holy Spirit said, no, and shut the door. Paul had in his mind the great commission to go into all the world, and he could see the gospel going north and east, and God said no. And so they went out to Troas, and the, and the Macedonian uh, vision is what this was all about. And the gospel actually traveled westward into Europe. And Paul got a vision from that to go into Rome. And as the, as the gospel went into Italy, it went north into Germany, it went into England, and then came to America. And here we are, products of the Great Awakening in America. The gospel is still traveling westward, going to the eastern region that Paul first wanted to preach the gospel. And we have missionaries there today. Current Asia and so, 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 so forth. So because God said no to Paul in those days, you and I are the benefits of the revival of the great awakenings that took place in England and then in America, when American colonies were settled and American history started up in the northeastern states. Sometimes God says no because He has something better for you than what you want. God's no is not a limitation. God's no sometimes is a greater blessing than we could have anticipated. So sometimes God says no because he has a greater perspective than we have. Sometimes he says no because he has a greater plan than we have. And sometimes God says no because he has a greater purpose for our life. The psalmist says in chapter 57, I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. When we are praying, we are seeking God's will. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, is how Jesus taught us to pray. And sometimes we are asking God to deliver us from the pain and the suffering that, that we are in, just like the Apostle Paul was dealing with here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Peter writes about this as well. He says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. God is using your testing, your, your trial as a testing time. In fact, the word for testing and trial and temptation in the Bible, are, these words are so akin to each other. Peter writes, it's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, he says, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Christ is returning. Christ is coming again. Jesus is coming again to this world. And if my request to God does not align with what God has for me when Christ returns, He will say no. 
Because that is the day that God will deliver to us a crown of righteousness which we have not deserved, but we will be given when Christ returns. So if I could summarize what we've said so far, I would share with you three insights. Number one, there are some things in life that we're not going to understand until we get to heaven. That's just a fact of life. And part of my growing up and my coming into adulthood as a Christian is to understand that I don't understand everything. I'm limited in my comprehension. Many times we will ask God, why did this happen and why did that happen? And really, uh, an explanation does not bring happiness and healing to us. God has a greater perspective than we have. And we'll understand someday because we will know as we are known, the Bible says. Paul wrote about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and he said, We look through a glass now dimly. Uh, that word is for opaque. I remember going to the dentist office as a kid, and there were these, there were these uh, they're not made of bricks, but they were made of glass. The walls were made of glass. You couldn't see what was going on outside, but the light came in. Never forget that as a child. I always knew I was in for some pain when I saw those things because it was a dentist office. But the, the light comes in, but I can't see everything. We have the light of the, wor the world, Jesus Christ. And our study this morning in Sunday school talked about being filled with the Spirit. And the light of the gospel, Jesus himself, is the light of the gospel, and he lives within us. But we don't understand everything. And we won't know until we get to heaven. That means I have to trust God. I have to trust God. Job lost everything. And Job said, even though he slay me, I will still trust him. I will still trust him. No, we don't need an explanation to understand in order to be happy. What we need instead is this. Hear this. You know, we, we seek explanations when we ask God why. We, we even try to hold God accountable when we ask that question. God, I demand that you tell me why. This doesn't make sense, God. Why? Well, if God explained it to you, number one, you wouldn't understand all of it. And number two, He is not accountable to me. I am accountable to God. Asking why does not help me receive an explanation from God, and if God explained it to me, would that make me happy? We don't need an explanation to be happy. We need instead the comforting presence and power of God's grace. Jesus spoke to Paul about his no when Paul didn't understand why God answered his prayer with an affirmative yes, or this is how I'm going to do it. But the Lord did say to him, my grace is enough. My presence is enough. My power is enough. The grace of God is his presence and his power. That's what we need. Not explanations. Not something that will satisfy our curiosity but instead His grace and His presence and His power in our life. When we get to heaven, it'll make sense. But if we had all those explanations, it wouldn't require living by faith. 
What we're asking for is for God to give us sight, to God, for God to give us facts. And God says to us, you're saved by faith, and you continue to be sanctified or growing in Christ by faith. So not only is God challenging us, but He's growing us when we don't understand why. But we trust His presence. We trust His comfort. We trust His strength. We trust His power. My grace is sufficient for you. For He says, My power is perfected in your weakness. The weaker points of my life, the Apostle Paul said, is what I put on display for other people to, to see. Paul didn't mind being transparent. Paul didn't mind being open and honest with other people because he said, when you see the flaws in me, that just magnifies the grace of God in me. So there are some things in life we are not going to understand until we get to heaven. And remember, all the explanations in the world that God might give to us doesn't comfort us. Never will comfort us. What we need instead is the grace and the presence and power of a loving God who's taking care of that no and taking care of us at the same time. Secondly, we're learning that some problems in life are never going to change no matter how much I pray. I've actually prayed that God would change my health condition that I have now. I've asked for God to do one thing, particular, I'm not going to tell you what it is with my health situation now. Many of you know I've had surgery, I don't have colon, uh, I wear an ostomy pouch, you know, that's just who I am now. And I've asked God to just, Lord, just take that away. I wake up every morning, that thing's still there. It's still there. You see, God is more interested in our character than He is in our comfort. Remember what He said to, in the book of uh, Peter chapter 1? These trials will show that your faith is genuine. I think since I had surgery this summer, July 10, will be six years. I think since I've had that surgery, I've prayed more than I've prayed in my lifetime. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. What you are becoming, who you are becoming, is more valuable than gold. Gold will perish. Gold will die. But you and me are going to live forever. That's what life's all about. And growing and becoming like our Lord Jesus Christ who suffered whatever afflictions that, that Paul talked about, what Jesus dealt with, it all is to the glory of God. God is more interested in our character than our comfort. Being a Christian and serving the Lord doesn't mean life's going to always be easy. It's just the trials and the testing that proves what our faith really is. And a third kind of lesson we can learn here is that sometimes you're going to suffer for the benefit of other people. For the benefit of other people. This is called redemptive suffering. And God will take and use your suffering, your trial, your testing to be a blessing to other people. In fact, he talks about that in 2 Corinthians in chapter 1. The comfort which we are comforted is meant to comfort other people. 
And so God is going to take whatever testing I'm going through, whatever trial I'm going through, in order to bless other people. That's called redemptive suffering. I've heard many pastors say this. In fact, at youth camp last summer, crossings, one of the uh, camp uh, students that uh, supervises and takes care of all the youth there, he said to me this statement, and I'll never forget it. He said, don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. And by that he meant God has a purpose for the painful times in our life. Let's find out what that purpose is. Instead of begging God to take away the pain, let's find out what that purpose is in our suffering. So what do we do when God says no? That's the second point of this message today. How do we respond to God's no? Well, number one, trust that God does everything for us in goodness and love. God really does everything for us in goodness and love. Romans 8:28 is one of the best passages of Scripture to support this idea that God is good. How long? All the time, all the time, what? He really is. And though we're angry with God because He said no, and though we're angry with God because we were denied something, though we are angry with God because He allowed something to happen, doesn't change the very character and nature of God. God is working all things together for good for those who love Him because He is good. God is bringing good. What is that good that God is bringing? Proverbs 25.10 says, All the ways of the Lord are loving. All the ways of the Lord are loving. See, God's no is not a rejection. Sometimes it's a redirection, taking us on a new path charting a new course, a course that is challenging, a course that takes courage, a course that takes greater faith than what I had yesterday. But the God who leads us, the God who guides us down this new chapter, this new road, even though it includes great suffering, is a God who is good, and He's a God who loves us, and He never changes. I have to trust that. Job said it well. Though He slay me, Job, Job, Job lost everything. And uh, his three friends tried to bring explanation, and they didn't comfort his heart. And his wife told him, why don't you just curse God and die? Well, that didn't comfort his heart either. No. Job had a faith. The Bible says in all his troubles, he never lost his integrity. That means he never quit trusting God when God said no. At the end of his life, God restored all those things and doubled all those things. And that, to me, is a picture of we're like Job in this, this period of, of history of our own lives. And um, Tracy, you said something a while ago that I'd like to add on to. Losses in our life, some of those are called necessary losses. And uh, it is true, the older you get, the more... You know, the more funerals you go to, the more friends you lose. Um, we had 12 of my gra graduating class, and I think there's about five of us left in my graduating class, and I'm only 36. <laughs> I'm really not 36. My brain says I'm 36. My body says, you're not 36, brother. I have to trust that God is good.
and that God is love. Though he slay me, Job said, I will still trust him. What to do when God says no? Trust that God does everything for us in goodness and love. Secondly, when in pain, pray what Jesus prayed when he faced the cross. Gethsemane, the word means wine press, and it literally is at the Mount of Olives that Jesus enjoyed this prayer garden where he spoke intimately with the Heavenly Father. And his heart was pressed as he faced the night before dying on the cross because what he was facing the next day was the most cruel, horrible, torturous, evil that one can possibly imagine. And Mark's Gospel records what Jesus went through when the Father said no. The Bible says he went on a little farther. He fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he prayed, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Powerful words. Powerful words. Three phases of that prayer I want to bring to your attention. Number one, Jesus affirmed the power of the Father's presence. And when we pray, we need to affirm the power of God. Father, you are all-powerful. God, you can do all things. Everything is possible for you, he said, as he spoke to the Father. Number two, ask with passion. Father, please, Jesus prayed, let this cup of suffering pass from me. He pleaded in passionate prayer. And then thirdly, he accepted God's plan. However, what I want, not what I want, but what you want. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done. And then thirdly, expect God to give His grace to handle whatever answer He does give you. Now to say live in grace means this. Now Paul said in this passage of Scripture, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul received that. And then he said, most gladly I will rather boast about weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Pray for grace. Expect God to give sufficient grace. Let me say that again. Expect God. When you pray, God says no. Expect God to give you sufficient grace when you hear Him say no. God, if it's your will that this not be done or I not receive this answer, if you have some other plan, God, I expect your grace to be sufficient. I think that's where we miss the mark. We're, we look to our strength to live with God's no. We don't have the strength to live with God's no. We need to rely on God's grace, His power and His presence in us to sustain us and to take care of us when He is saying no. When God says no, you can either resist it, resent it, or just relax in it. When God says no, you can resist it, cry and carry on and wail and kick and scream like a five-year-old. Or you can resent it 
mean you go away angry and you stay angry for a long period of time? I've done that. Or you can just take a deep breath and relax in it and say, this is God's will then. But I'm also expecting God's grace to be sufficient. And relax and be at peace. At peace with God means you'll be at peace with yourself. And hear this. When you're at peace with God and you're at peace with yourself, then you'll be at peace in your relationships. Writer named B.M. Palmer wrote a story about a woman back during the uh, steamboat days who was trying to get back to her family from, uh, from England. She was living in New York for a while, and she was trying to get back to her children, trying to get back to her family. And when it came time to board the ship, uh, she was not allowed to get on. And for two more weeks, she had to stay back in New York. She couldn't get back to her family. And she learned in that two-week period of time that the ship went down in the Atlantic Ocean. She didn't see that the no was a wonderful prayer that God, a blessing that God gave to her until the story unfolded. Yes, God has a blessing for you and me in the no's. What is that blessing? His presence and His power. That, my friend, is called grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you that when you say no, you have a greater perspective, you have a better plan, you have a greater purpose, that you're growing us up, that you have a greater grace to anoint us for this journey and our walk and our pilgrimage with you. Father, there are those today who need to make public their decision to start walking with you as disciples of Jesus. New believers, I pray they'll have the courage to come on forward when we give this invitation. Others need to unite with our church from a sister church. We pray that all decisions will obey your will. Because you've said yes to us when Jesus died on the cross. Help us to say yes to you and your grace as we sing this great hymn of decision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.